Welcome to the latest word from the church at Severn Run. Our church is located in Severn, Maryland, and is easily accessible from anywhere in the D.C. Baltimore area. You can subscribe for regular updates or check in weekly for the latest information by using our website, severinrun.com. Thank you for visiting. And now, today's message. In the beginning, the Word, capital W, it already existed. In fact, it is the Christmas story. It's the Christmas story. In its most precise and its most condensed version. It doesn't include donkeys. Can you imagine a Christmas story about donkeys? It doesn't include donkeys. It doesn't include angels. It doesn't include shepherds. It doesn't include mangers. In fact, it doesn't even include a nativity scene. The Christmas story without a nativity scene. (laughs) Shocking, right? But John does something different for us. In fact, I think the Apostle John, under the power of the Holy Spirit, knew that there needed to be, inside of Scripture, a more concise, more condensed version of the Christmas story. Because I think that he recognized that the human tendency would be to take all of the stuff that surrounded the the Christmas story and venerate that, make it more important, and lift it up higher than what was actually important. And so when he set about to write his gospel, he decided to be a good photojournalist. He decided to pick up the camera and to focus the lens and to take out all of the cast and all of the characters and all of the setting and focus the lens on that which was most important above everything else. Jesus first, Jesus only. So John chapter 1 is the Christmas story. Here's what he says. In the beginning, the word, capital W, mind you, please pay attention to that. John chapter 1, in the beginning, the word, capital W, already existed. From the moment that John gets started, he gives us a flashback. And this flashback kind of goes back to the very first verse of Scripture in Genesis chapter 1, 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. What a great flashback, right? What a great reminder. In the beginning was the word, and in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But John's flashback takes us even beyond Genesis chapter 1-1. He takes us all the way back before time even began and he reminds us through his words in the beginning the word capital W already existed he reminds us that the word existed before the breath of God before the very breath of God was released upon nothingness he takes us back before that 
He takes us back before the word existed and the boundary lines of the universe were formed. He takes us back to where the smallest known particles began to take shape and form this thing that you and I really rely upon a lot called matter. You like matter, don't you? Without matter, you would not be sitting in your seat. You would fall to the floor. The word existed before matter collaborated and decided to go ahead and form this thing called galaxies and planets and stars and moons. The word existed, capital W, before uh, the dark and void planet that sits three doors down from the sun was ever come to be. The word existed when the continents on that planet began to move and the oceans began to be formed and life dawned on the planet. The word, capital W, it existed when the very dirt of that planet was taken and molded into the shape of a human form. And the word existed when the same breath that spoke into nothingness also breathed into the life of that human form and created one called Adam, the first man and humankind came into existence. John takes us all the way back long before he gets to the Christmas story to remind us of the power of the one that is involved. The word, capital W, existed. And John goes on to say, the word, capital W, was with God and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him. Nothing that was created was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created. Every person in this room is created. Do you agree with that? And life came through the one who created. All of that, John points out in this very first portion of a verse, is to say that Jesus is first. If we don't remember anything else at Christmas, I think we should be reminded of this, don't you? That without Jesus, we don't have any Christmas. <laughs> In fact, without Jesus, we don't have any existence. Because the word, capital W, is that by which all things were created, including you and I. Our potential for developing attention deficit disorder, ADD. You know what I'm talking about, right? I'm not going to ask, ask you guys today how many of you believe you have ADD, how many of you believe your spouse does. Don't, don't do that either. 
our potential for developing ADD, guess what? It's huge at Christmas time. It's huge to develop ADD concerning Jesus. Because when it's all said and done, we've got a lot to do, don't we? How many of you, you've already got your checklist going for Christmas? Raise your hand, just be honest. Like, you got your checklist going for Christmas. How many of you wish you had a checklist going for Christmas? How many of you wish your spouse had a checklist going for Christmas? Huh? Like, we got a lot to get done. There's so many things that need to happen around Christmas time. We've got a lot to do. I know, I know for me, this last week, the Christmas season started in my family. It started on Thanksgiving night. Thanks, thank, don't you judge me. <laughs> Thanksgiving night is when, is when Christmas started. And it started because we used our normal, traditional time to watch the movie Elf. We got any Elf fans in here? Thank you. The 9 o'clock group didn't know what Elf was. You guys are going to help me out then. So we started watching Elf, and, and there's nothing better to get you in the Christmas spirit than Will Ferrell. Walking around in an Elf outfit in the middle of New York City. And as he's walking by a, 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 a rail, subway rail, for those of you who have not seen the movie, I'm going to apologize ahead of time. He's walking by a subway rail, and he looks down, and there's all of this beautifully petrified gum that has been stuck there. Let me tell you what elves like. They like candy. They like sweet stuff. And Will Ferrell reaches under that subway rail, and he takes out that old petrified gum. And we're going to take a break now in case any of you need to exit to the bathroom <laughs> to upchuck anything that you're thinking about. Uh, yeah, right? I can't think of a better way to start the Christmas season. <laughs> you're like, that guy is warped. <laughs> That's my family, folks. Sorry. But I will tell you this. We avoid Black Friday because... For me, Black Friday is one of those things in which I would rather have all of my teeth pulled out without Novocaine involved than I would to get in line at 2 a.m. in the morning. People do this. I will not ask you to raise your hand. 2 a.m. in the morning only to be let in at 6 a.m. in the middle of a stampede to get $10 off of a talking Elmo doll. We avoid Black Friday. How many of you are Black Friday shoppers? Just be proud. Be loud. Let's do it. God bless you, and we have professional counseling available. <laughs> and then, then we got home from, from Virginia where we spent Thanksgiving, and that Saturday night we decided to go, and we are going to get a tree. We went out, we picked out the perfect tree, and it was beautiful, and we recognized once we got home that we were tired, so we put the tree in the backyard, and it was there, lonely, afraid, cold, scared. 
for a week. <laughs> for a week. Until we decided on Friday to put it up in the house. It was very thankful. In fact, it was so thankful. My kids have actually named the tree this year. They've named him Marvin. We've never named a tree before, but this one's called Marvin. And uh, he now sits after yesterday, finally decorated inside of our home. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And in fact, I'm looking around right now. It's like, it's not, I, mean, I like the lights. How many of you like the lights? You like the lights there? Like, but beyond that, it doesn't look too Christmassy up in here. Do we have a tree? I, what? Hello? It's not looking Christmassy up in here. Can we do this? Give it up for the staff. They're on top of things. Man, we got a, we got a, we got a tree. Is that a fake tree? Yeah. It's a fake tree. How many of you use fake trees? They're saving the planet with plastic trees. Yeah, that one's fake. Um, that's good. We got lights. We got presents. Awesome. This is Christmas. Give it up for Christmas. You just walked right into that. Because here's the reality. This message just went off the rails, didn't it? In the last couple of minutes, we forgot about everything that we had talked about before. <laughs> we forgot about everything that was absolutely, totally important. We've already forgotten about the fact that the word, capital W. We've already forgotten about the fact that the word's eternal nature. We've already forgotten about the fact of the word's power. We already forgot about the fact that the word is Jesus. And we've already forgotten how quickly, right? How quickly we already forget about the fact that Christmas is about Jesus first. Nothing more and nothing less. That's why I like John's version of the Christmas story. Is that he constantly reminds us that Jesus is first. And let's face it, in today's uh, modern America, sophisticately educated, free thinking, we oftentimes don't look and say um, that Christmas is about Jesus first, do we? In fact, there's a lot of people in the world, and we'll see this in the news as the Christmas season continues forward, and there's people in this room right now, and I understand how you got there because I've been where you are before. You're even asking yourself this question of why Jesus at all? Why does Jesus need to be a part of this season at all? Much less Jesus first. Thankfully, John takes the opportunity to answer this question for us. Here's what he says in verse 4. The Word gave life to everything that was created. The Word, capital W, gave life to everything that was created. Do you have life? If you, if you have life, say, I have life. I have life. Or some of you didn't say it. God bless you. <laughs> if you have life, the word gave life. 
to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. John answers this question for us. Why Jesus first? Well, because without him, there's nothing but darkness. Have you ever considered that? Without him, there is nothing but darkness. Don't believe me? A young man who feels like he's rejected by his culture, he feels like he's rejected by society, he starts to try to find a place of acceptance. He gets online and he starts to try to figure out who's going to allow me to be a part of them. I want to find a place where I feel like I belong. And slowly but surely, he feels like he finds that. The result of finding that is the fact that he gets inside of a car and he drives it onto one of America's largest universities. He looks for a crowd of people. He hits the gas. And he decides to take out as many of those people as he possibly can. Once his car has come to a stop and he's hit as many people as he can with the car, he jumps out of the car with a knife, wielding this knife. He decides to go on a stabbing rampage. Ladies and gentlemen, that is what just happened in America this last week. Why Jesus first? Because that is called darkness, isn't it? That is called darkness. And then on top of that, we might think that's an extreme example. But the reality is we need to think about our own lives for just a second. It's, it, it's pretty obvious. It, uh, I, I think it's probably safe to say that every single person in this room, including myself, is not at peace with every single individual that you know. Am I correct? Am I correct? Yes. Thank you for being honest. This is a good place to be honest, by the way. Not that every other place is not also a good place to be honest, but this is a good place to be honest. We're not at peace with everybody in our, in our lives. Some of us, we're not at peace with our spouse. Do me a favor. Do not say amen. <laughs> it will not get you anywhere right now. But you're not at peace with your spouse. Some of us, we're not at peace with our children. Some of us, we're not at peace with our co-workers. We're not at peace with our family. We're not at peace with certain friends that we have inside of our lives or people that we used to call friends. We're not at peace with ourselves. We're not at peace. And can I go ahead and tell you that's not how God created this thing to be? He created this thing for us to just have relationship. It's really that simple. He just really wants us to love each other and get along. By the way, that's what heaven's going to be. We're going to love each other, and we're going to get along. With all the brokenness gone. But that's not the case right now. In fact, this might be the reason why the large majority of us, or some of us in this room, are already dreading Christmas. Because we're going to be in the room at the Christmas party, in which you've already drawn a name of a fellow staff member, co-worker, right? You draw the name. 
you look at the name and you think, i got to buy that person a Christmas present? Are you kidding me? And you're like, I can't, I, the coal will not be acceptable gift. Right? Or are you going to be sitting in the room on Christmas morning with family members you don't even like? This is not how God intended it to be. You want to know why there needs to be Jesus first? There needs to be Jesus first because that's called darkness. And it's just not a guy who ran his car into a bunch of people who has it in his life. It's every single person that's sitting in here today. The problem with classic liberalism, be it religious or political, is that there is no such thing as evil. Liberals, political and and religious, they just don't believe evil doesn't exist. It's not there. All is good. Trust in the greater angels of our humanity. I don't even know what that means. I'm always trying to figure it out, but I really don't know what it means. Who are the greater, greater angels of our humanity? And then we go on to say, it's the human spirit. And then I think about the 20th century. The human spirit. World War I. <laughs> World War II. Vietnam. Need I say more? We kill each other. That too often is the human spirit. The human spirit doesn't bring us to any type of success. It's nothing more than darkness, but I'm not just picking on liberals. Let me pick on conservatives for just a moment. Both religious and political, because these are the folks that believe everything is evil. Liberals believe it. there is no such thing as evil. Conservatives believe everything is evil. And all we've got to do is just put enough rules in place. And when we make those rules, those rules are so solid, they're so serious, they're so matter-of-fact that we should never change them. Because somehow we know more than the creator of the universe. Let me ask you, how's that working out? Do we live in a perfect country? Do we live in a perfect world? Let me tell you what we live in. We live in darkness. It's a fact. Why Jesus first? Because there's darkness. Look what John goes on to say. In verse 6, God sent a man. This is a different John that's writing it versus the one he's describing right now. God sent a man, John the Baptist. My name is John. I am a Baptist. <laughs> Somebody down here just said, no, the Baptist. Uh, I'm a bad, I'm not the Baptist, John. Uh, God's a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, 
who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. And here's what I love. Listen to this verse one more time. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. And that is as, as elaborate as John gets concerning the nativity scene. Jesus came. Jesus first. He came into the very world that he created, but the world did not recognize him. He came to his own people, people of his race, people of his nationality, but they even rejected him. Everybody rejected him. You say, I wouldn't have rejected him. Yes, you would have because of darkness. But to all who believed him, but to all who believed him, and here is the point of the Christmas story. This is the one verse beyond all verses that matter the most. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. You do not have to live in darkness. You do not have to live without hope. You do not have to live in despair. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So the word, capital W in verse 14, so the word, capital W, became human and made his home among us. Let me flash this back for just a second. The word, capital W, this is the same word that existed before the breath of God spoke into nothingness. This was the same word that existed before the boundary lines of the universe were formed. This was the same word that existed before the smallest particles of matter began to take shape. This is the word that existed before matter collaborated to form galaxies and stars and suns and moons. This is the word that existed before a dark and void planet that only set three doors down from a star called the sun was put into place. This was a word that existed when the continents moved and the oceans were formed and life dawned on that planet. This was the word that existed when the very dirt of that planet was molded into human form. And this is the word that existed when the same breath of the God that spoke into nothingness also breathed into that form and into Adam's lungs and created mankind. This is the word. This is the word that came. This isn't some little tiny weak baby in a manger. This is the God of the universe that showed up to save you and to save me. And without him showing up, there is nothing but darkness. Without him showing up, we are just as messed up as the worst terrorist that exists. 
This is the one that came. Verse 14 says this. He was full of unfailing love. So much unfailing love that even though he was perfect, even though he never messed it up, even though he never lived in darkness, he lived among darkness, but he did not live in darkness. Even though he did that, he still decided in his perfection to die for you and for me. To sacrifice himself for you and for me. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, even in our darkness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. The unadulterated and focused message of Christmas is simply this. Jesus first. Not Christmas trees, not presents, not lights. All these are good things. All of these create memories. All of these help us further to develop relationships. They are beautiful, wonderful stuff. And my family, will, sell, will, will be, that will be part of our celebration all year round. But that is not the point. The un, unadulterated and focused message of Christmas is simply Jesus first. Jesus only. That's it. There were two ladies, one was younger, one was older. Both of them had become pregnant. One was not even expected, one was not even expected to ever be able to become pregnant again, but um, they were relatives, and so you can imagine, you know what? My wife's been pregnant three times. I know what she likes. They get around other pregnant women, they like to talk. Safe to say, right? You like to share that experience together. And so these two, they decided they wanted to share this experience together. They lived apart. Um, and they didn't get to see each other a whole lot. But suddenly one day they decided we're going to meet up together. And the younger lady came to the older lady's house. And as she walked in, the older lady's baby inside of her womb kind of began to jump and get excited and party. Huh? I don't know if you've ever had the experience as a, a dad. I've had the experience of putting my hand on my wife's pregnant belly and jumping around. It, I'm not going to lie to you, as a man, it kind of freaks me out a little bit. <laughs> kind of like an alien thing going on. But so cool. The baby starts to jump, kick, and be excited. And the older lady, she looks at the younger lady, and she said, whoever you got up in, in there is special. And so they hung out for about three months together. Later on, both of these boys were born. And the craziest part about it is that they were relatives, but who knows how much they got to see each other. Probably the same way that cousins and other people get to see each other, you know, Christmas and Thanksgiving and all of those types of times, different holidays according to the religious practice. And I'm sure they played and did all the stuff that boys do. But then as they got older, as oftentimes happens, you see them less and you see them less and you see them less. But your cousins kind of always hold a special place in, in your heart, don't they? Just because you remember way back when in those times. Well, one of them grew up and he kind of got a little weird. He, uh, 
started wearing all of these, this, the, 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 kind of this clothing made out of animal skin and fur. He grew a big beard. And you know people that grow big beards are crazy weird. And then he started getting down in the water and he started saying, there's somebody that's going to come and, and, and this person is going to be special and, and they're going to be the light of the world and all you got to do is listen to them and, and your life is going to change. It's going to be different. And people started showing up. And he started taking them down into the water. He started dunking them on the water and saying, hey, listen, you've been baptized. Your life is different. You're changed. Go and kind of sin no more. And it was just this crazy time. He hadn't seen his relative, this kid he grew up with, now and again for a long time until one day as he's walking along the riverbank, The crazy cousin, the one with the beard. He looks up and he says, that's the one. And his relative walks down to him and says, hey, listen, I want you, as a good example, I want you to baptize me. He said, ah, I'm not here to baptize you. He said, I'm here to tell the world that you're here. And he looks at him and says, would you just do me a favor? Would you just shut up and baptize me? Just be obedient to what I ask you to do. If I am the Savior of the world, don't you think you ought to pay attention to what I have to say? And so, crazy cousin baptizes him. Comes back out of the water. The interesting thing is, according to that way, the way the story goes, I don't know if these two men ever saw each other again after that point. I don't have any inkling of history that says that they were ever together again. The one just kept preaching that the one has come and the one that had come just kept walking around and healing and teaching and showing people the way, the light. And then the one that had been preaching and declaring the way that somebody had come ends up in a jail cell. And it's dark, and it's dirty, and it's damp. And you can only imagine the type of depression that set in on him when he had been doing what he thought he was supposed to be doing all his life. And here he is, he's sitting inside of this jail cell. Saying, what's next? Where do I go? A couple of his followers came to him inside of this jail cell, and he looked at him and he said, hey, listen, I want you to go uh, to the one, to the guy that I baptized, to my relative, who I believe that I've been here on planet Earth. My entire purpose has been telling the world that he's coming. But if he's coming, why am I sitting in this jail cell? Why am I sitting in this place of despair? Why am I hurting so much? I want you to go to him, and I want you to ask him this question. And in Luke chapter 7, verse 20, here's what he asked. John's two disciples, John the Baptist, his two disciples found Jesus and said to him, John the Baptist sent us to ask, are you the Messiah that we've been expecting? Or should we keep looking for someone else? Folks, it's Christmas, and I have a feeling 
that there's a lot of people that might be sitting in this room and you're asking the same question. What is the point of this thing? What is the point of this thing? Is he the Messiah or should I be looking for some other hope? You've got friends and you've got family this Christmas. They're asking the same question. Is this the Messiah? Is this baby Jesus that we're celebrating right now? Is he the one or should I be looking for somebody else? John 1, 1 through 14 answers it all. The answer is simple. Jesus first. Jesus only. Heavenly Father, this morning we come to you. Some of us, we're in despair. Some of us, we're lost. And some of us, we know people who are lost and that they are in despair. And they were, we're looking for hope at Christmas. Help us to be reminded today that all of the casting characters and stuff surrounding Christmas don't really matter. But what matters the most, if we want to find hope, we're not going to find it through presents on Christmas morning. We're not going to find it through decorations. We're going to find it through Jesus first and Jesus only. I'm going to ask you if you would please stand with me for just a moment. I'm going to ask our care team if they would please to come down and just join us at the front. And there may be those of you here today that guess what? You're saying, hey, I walked in here and I don't know if there is hope. I don't get this thing. None of this makes sense. Why is everybody so joyful and Christmas is so awesome? And I, it's not for me. It could be because Jesus is first and Jesus only is in a reality in your life. Today's your chance. Today's your opportunity to make it that. Today is the day for Jesus first and Jesus only. Come talk to somebody if that's the way you feel. Thank you for joining us today at the church at Severn Run. Please visit our website at severnrun.com for church service information, staff directories, or for prayer requests. And if you're in the D.C. Baltimore area, we'd love to have you join us at 8187 Telegraph Road in Severn, Maryland. We look forward to worshiping with you.